0: The following is a Frank R. Wilson presentation. Welcome to where we celebrate music from the movies. From the Golden Age to present day, we've got it covered. We talk to those from the industry and learn about them and their favorite scores. Welcome to What's the Score? I'm your host, Frank R. Wilson. So let's take a look at the shelf of CDs and see what we're going to play today. that music it's a favorite of our guest today when he's not running an advertising or marketing company his hobby is something that's called the James Bond experience which is primarily a video blog where he discusses bond experiences and the people and brands that help create those experiences David's been featured and sourced for articles in Time magazine USA Today the Guardian New York Times among others and his collection represents one of the most complete examples of Bond lifestyle items, including items from Tom Ford, Omega, Heineken, Coke, Peel, Turnbull, and Aster, just to name a few. He's widely popular on social media and is safe to say that he's a major influencer among James Bond fans. I hope all of you will please join me in welcoming David Sariski to the program. Hi, David.
1: Hello there. And by the way, I, there's no way I can live up to that introduction. So it's all going to go downhill from there.
0: <laughs> well, I tried to read it like you wrote it, but, uh, you know, anyway. <laughs> no, the five dollars is in the mail. <laughs> it um, great, great pleasure and honor to talk to you. I've been been closely following your uh, your vlogs and influencing, especially over the past year. So I, I think we'll have a lot of great things to talk about uh, for those of our listeners that maybe aren't as familiar uh, I always like to start off these programs with just learning a little bit more about the individual first. So, if you'd be so kind, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself, growing up, family, day job, yeah. you know, stuff like that.
1: I'm happy to. And and you you give me the you give me the high sign when I go on too long. This could turn into <laughs> a, a psychiatric dream, but um. So, really, the youngest of three kids, um, mm-hmm. great mom and dad. And, um, but had a father that was an incredibly successful entrepreneur. And part of that was he was not in the home a lot. Um, he was traveling business meetings. The interactions we did have, because I wasn't really a sports nut growing up, was James Bond. Hmm. You know, it's those indelible memories of him and I connecting and everything slowing down. His work life, uh, my school life, slowing down when he and I watched a James Bond movie. So I'm pretty sure that there is some sort of id or super ego thing going on here <laughs> um, that can tie back to my father. And like many, I I, I was introduced to James Bond by my father. In fact, uh, we were in Atlantic City. Gosh, I remember it so well. We're in Atlantic City. It was raining out, so no beach time, which I was very disappointed in. I remember going in and seeing this very strange but wonderful movie um, that had a shark. It had a man. It had a guy with teeth, shiny teeth. And sure enough, it was The Spy Who Loved Me and kind of got hooked from there. And literally, I do remember this. I remember walking down the boardwalk and I was a Batman fan at the time, the Adam West version, obviously. Okay. Yeah. And I remember going into a toy store and my father kind of pushing me away from the Batmobile and towards <clears throat> buying a different Corgi car. Yeah. And of course that was the <laughs> DB five. Right. And that, uh, that toy just, just catapulted me into the world of bond. Uh, growing up, I kind of lost touch with it. I got a little bit more into star Wars, But interestingly, when I was a young executive in my early, early 30s, I started collecting movie memorabilia, all types, Indiana Mm -hmm. Jones, Star Wars, Judge Dredd, Blade. It really varied a couple of James Bond things. But uh, when I got into my mid 30s, especially around Tomorrow Never Dies and The World Is Not Enough, I started to gravitate and realize that, wait a minute, I could actually wear my hobby. I could buy a suit or a tie or cufflinks or a pair of sunglasses and nobody would know what I'm doing. It was this <laughs> crazy invisible hobby. And so, you know, I was that kind of young executive with a little bit of extra folding money, put it towards that. And then it, it just kind of catapulted from there.
0: Wow. So you can blame your dad for this, huh? I fully blame anybody else but me.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> the
0: true. Individual and you, show. You, Yeah. And what, what I what I found interesting about, about as you were telling me that was that unlike a lot of people that got that bug very early in life and, and, you know, kept going from there, you got the bug, but then you kind of, you know, put it aside for, I don't know, several years or something before you all of a sudden really got into the, the collecting bit and that sort of thing. Is that, is that an accurate interpretation?
1: That is exactly it. And it was, it was, you know, pretty much what I do now with the bond experience is what tempted me back in. And, and, you know, I'll paint a visual picture for you. I had this movie memorabilia wardrobe collection that was so varied across different, you know, blockbuster movies. And then slowly it became a little bit more Bond, then a lot more Bond, and now pretty much all Bond.
0: Yeah. And do you, well, I guess it's, I guess with the advent of the internet and what you do, it's not, well, I'll ask it anyway, at least for starting out before you did, start the vlog and, and the Bond experience, did you Did you ever feel like, you know, this is a little weird, you know, I, I, I'm kind of into buying these clothes and looking like James Bond and feeling like him. And did you ever have any doubts about, you know, the, the, this passion that you were developing?
2: No,
1: maybe
0: maybe I should have. Um, <laughs>
1: um, so I always tell this to my kids when I was very young, probably in my early 30s, I lost what I call the embarrassment gene, which may, mm. may be a little bit more successful than what I do for a living in that it's really hard and difficult for me to get up in front of an audience or people or even one-on-one or certainly in front of a video and be embarrassed about anything that I'm doing. I mean, I have, I have a governor in the sense that I know what's wrong and what's right, I believe, Mm -hmm. but I don't really feel like, you know, I have a lot of regret of those types of choices. And it's interesting because Um, Even when I was working with uh, Remert von Brahm, who's a good friend of mine now, and he has a James Bond lifestyle I was doing some videos over there and before that some articles. I just thought it was the coolest thing I'm like, you know, this is this is literally my journey with bond. It's a little bit different than most But I know there's others out there. There has to be I can't be the only one that's enjoying Mm -hmm. these invisible Bond sartorial experiences and so sharing them was really exciting, and, and as you can imagine, because I think this is why you do what you do. Suddenly, when I heard there was an audience or people connecting or like-minded individuals, it became amazing. It became oh,
0: yeah. just a passion. Yeah, yeah. It. Um. I. I, I well, let's. See. Oh, yeah. One thing I didn't want to uh, uh, avoid, I, because I find interesting what you're able to do certainly involves a lot of time and i'm wondering what what kind of a uh uh, your day job must be extremely cooperative uh to 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 where you can flex and have all that kind of time tell it uh, because i think our audience would be interested i've never heard a lot about what you do i I know you kind of head up a a marketing company i guess but could you just go into that a little bit
1: yeah i'm happy to it it probably is a video best served for time management discussion, but I'm the CEO <laughs> of a pharmaceutical advertising and agency company.
0: Okay.
1: Um. So we have you know a corporation that does all those wonderfully semi annoying sometimes uh, commercials <laughs> that you try <laughs> to <laughs> sit through that talk about you know what a what a brand or a drug could do, what it won't do, what it hopefully won't do. Um, We also work with um, a lot of patients and caregivers, physicians and nurses to really find out what is the best strategy for Hmm. a brand. Um, We do a lot with kind of optimizing. And this is the part that I love. You know, when a brand comes out in the pharmaceutical industry, it's obviously there to move the needle of sales. But what else can it offer? What other kind of. Really, emotional support and medical support can it provide to that patient? And that's what we really focus on as a company. So, we work with the biggest, smallest, and even mid sized pharmaceutical device companies to really get that message through. And um, this company has been around for 35 years. I've been a part of it actually for eight and the CEO of it for probably about three and a half years now.
0: Okay. I love your passion for it too. I mean, that, Thank that, you. that makes a difference. It, uh, you and could, gotta, you could be very tactical in, in describing what your job is, but you were anything, but, you know, that's, I, that's, terrific. I love it. I do. And it is cooperative
1: in the sense that, you know, my, if I said any superpower that I have, it's, I really can bring in very good people and I'm, I'm only as good as, the staff. And I know that sounds like something you put on a LinkedIn page to sound what good, but it's mm, true. Mm, they allow me to go on two week vacations. I don't know many CEOs that can do that. Um, they, they allow me to have a life. They allow me to have dinner with my wife every night. Mm. Um, really I owe it all to them and some incredible clients that understand work quality relationships, but my secret, and I'm going to let you in on it. Ooh, i
0: won't tell anybody
1: don't tell anybody just <laughs> just erase this um my secret is that i don't sleep very much mm. gustav grave uh i very often will get up at 3 3 15, 3 30 in the morning not on purpose Um, not with an alarm my alarm is actually set for 5 a.m mm-hmm. i don't remember hearing my or feeling my alarm in a long time Holy smokes. my my mind just goes and not in a bad way i'm not up stressing it's just i have my mind doesn't quite shut off
2: and
1: so it kind of forces me up and then I do much of my bond experience things uh very early in the morning like I'll get it kind of my post ready for the day and then I have machines like literally technology that will post it during the day that makes it look like I'm just in a bathroom somewhere going (laughs) to the bathroom and posting I'm I'm not (laughs) (laughs) and then the other thing is I tend to do my vlogs four or five at a time just like you would a sitcom.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: And then I release them. So it looks like, oh, my gosh, how is he doing two a week? Well, that's because I'm filming all of those on a Saturday morning before my
0: wife even gets up. Let's let's get into your list of uh, of some of your favorite uh, cues. And, you know, big surprise, folks. Uh, All these are going to be from James Bond films. So uh, (laughs) in case you were expecting something outside of that, it's not going to be that way. I thought we'd. Um. We'd start off with, uh, I'm almost going to, well, no, not quite in chronological order. I'm going to switch it up a little bit, but uh, you chose a couple of cues from uh, uh, Live and Let Die, mm. which uh, featured the score from uh, a gentleman that uh, only did one Bond film, but he was good friends with John Barry and also happened to be, what, I guess the producer for the Beatles, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: George Martin. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about, uh, there were two cues you chose, in Solitaire and Bond in, uh, drops in. with the, Just tell me a little bit about why you have found those two to be ones you would want to include among your favorites. You know, the Bond drops
1: in, to me, it, it kind of harkens back to this idea. And it's, it's maybe me being nostalgic, but I truly miss those moments in Bond films. And Connery had it, you know, ad nauseum. But when you just hear the Bond theme, integrated into something that bond is doing it it's it's mm-hmm. almost used in such a rare way i mean you know david arnold used to use it um he used it relatively judiciously but often enough that you would recognize it nowadays when you hear a hint of it you just get excited the hairs stand up with bond dropping in you had that you know cascading of music that nah, 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 right. and then all of a sudden boom, dun, 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 <laughs> boom and it was it the beat that it had and that whole bond theme so the mixture of the nostalgia with this new kind of interesting 1970s beat was just it was too much for me it was it was amazing and i'll tell you i <laughs> this is going to sound like a like an issue i probably play that track at least once a week you know wow. either in my car or i'm doing something around the house i'll have my airpods on and i'm just playing that because it's this really method out just process oriented bond theme which i know sounds not very sexy but i get such a strong visual of what bond is doing in that case
0: yeah and 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 you're old enough to remember too that you know before there were dvds and blu-rays and streaming and all that sort of stuff the only way you could relive these movies was to listen to the soundtrack and so you that's part of your dna now too is that you i don't know if people do that these days if they want to they like the music. They just probably pop in the the DVD. But this was the way you could relive the movie. You know? Exactly. Exactly. And by the way, that's
1: you know I've listened to your your podcast before, and everybody talks about one thing, and I've got it too. And that is that strong emotional connection to the visuals of a Bond film and the soundtrack. I mean, I mm. I am not one of those individuals, and 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 I think Joe Darlington was the same way where i'm listening to the new pop music and you know i don't i don't even listen to the radio I either listen to like podcasts like yours yeah. or i'm listening to soundtracks for movies because the soundtracks bring me right back to that visual and and that's one of the reasons why i love bond is because it's a recapturing of that moment through the sound of music
0: yeah yeah well let's uh let's have a listen to uh, both these cues the uh, bond drops in that uh David mentioned, and also the the first one we'll play is also from Live and Let Die, and this cue is called Bond Meets Solitaire, and they're written by George Martin. With great clarity, why you liked the music uh, of those two cues that we just heard, but I'm yeah. I'm curious. Do you uh do you gravitate to music from any other films outside of the the Bond universe? Tons, tons. I I my workout music is a geek
1: stream. Um, I listen. I actually listen to a lot of Hans Zimmer even before the news. Huh. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean. Anything with a fast beat uh, that can just feel adventurous and bigger than life, and what I call these epic themes. Um, John Williams music, uh, Superman, mm-hmm. <laughs> the movie, the original one <laughs> to me, there's just, uh, and somebody said this the other day, they said, you know, soundtracks from movies nowadays are not hummable. You don't walk out of a theater humming them or whistling them. Or when you were a little kid and you would, yeah. you know, run up the, uh, the steps, which I did all the time. I would run up the steps to my house, humming the Superman theme with my arms outstretched. Mm-hmm. I think I was mm-hmm. 17 when I did that. No, I was much younger, but <laughs> You did, you you know, these themes would would strike something emotional in you and you just, you crave those moments. So yes, I have, if you look, if you looked at my Amazon soundtracks right now, you would say, yep, these are, these are all the big ones.
0: Yeah. And, and interesting, you mentioned it about using it, uh, during workouts and I'm sad to say I didn't take the bond fitness challenge, so I'm not, I'm not working out at the moment. However, (laughs) however, I mean, you can see. It's like driving in a car. If you you put certain put certain uh, soundtracks it while you're driving a car, I, I I think you've got to watch out for the police because it's almost you almost start saying, oh wow, well, I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna take this turn kind of fast and now we can go another ten miles an hour faster. I mean it it really it moves you you know big time. Absolutely, it really does. I mean you've got to be careful because
1: you know uh, sometimes you're in the car and, and you start to lose yourself and you know we just talked about the emotional connection. You're transported to that moment. You know, you're playing a Bond theme and it's fast paced, and suddenly, oh my gosh, is my foot on the pedal that hard?
0: You've got to, <laughs> you got to really
1: watch yourself.
0: Yeah. You um, you chose uh, a couple of cues. We're gonna just play one this time from uh, uh, the Pierce Brosnan film uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. I want to say was it 1997? I think
1: it was. Yes.
0: Um, uh, and this was the uh the first effort by uh, by David Arnold who I think is probably amongst our favorites, uh, both you and I, uh, one of the cues you chose was called backseat driver, which is not, not your typical James Bond music. So I found it interesting that you, uh, chose that amongst one of your favorites. Tell me a little bit about your thinking on including that. That is 100% a, uh, a memory moment.
1: So I am, I don't know if I'm amongst the few, but I'm definitely one of those proud individuals that says that they loved and still love Tomorrow Never Dies. I I think it had a lot of the tropes I was looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, Brosnan's, you know, comfortable with himself in it. It's got great action moments. That car scene just does something. I think it was so well executed, unique. It had a, a, you know, great cue gadget involved. It had Bond being all swarmy and extremely capable, <laughs> that music, that th- thumping beat was so unique and different. It was one of these that I embraced since then. And the reason why I I, I actually gravitated it when you said what's your favorite ones is because it's another one of these things that I play in my car all the time. I, I want to escape. That. And I think you do this too. You've mentioned it. You know, music can be a great escape valve where you just kind of lose yourself in the moment let it wash over you this Mm. is one of those tunes
0: oh perfect yeah well let's uh let's have a listen to it and if you're driving while you're listening to this just watch the (laughs) speed okay uh this is uh the cue's called backseat driver it's from the film tomorrow never dies and it's written by david arnold obvious that you're very much into into films in general not just james bond and so i'm curious how do you think how do you think bond has influenced filmmaking in general over the decades that it's been around
1: you know it's interesting because you you hear a lot of interviews through social media and quotes from young and old filmmakers who say that bond or some sort of film um related to Bond has influenced the way they think Chris Nolan for example mm-hmm. um obviously you've got uh you know even pulp fiction moments in pulp fiction by Quentin Tarantino said that you know he wanted to you know exude a certain Bond feeling in some of those aspects those getaway moments so i think that bond whether it's those little one liners um or even just some of the visuals really connect back to a lot of these movies. Look at mission impossible as much as they're comparing bond to mission impossible mission impossible has to be compared to bond and the music. I mean, you know, the whole idea of thematically building music that aligns to characters in a movie. I know a lot of people thought that star Wars was one of the first ones to do that, but you could look back Hmm. at bond and really trace those moments back in a really focused way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I think you're you right about the music, people not being able to hum tunes and stuff when they come out. We've talked about that on our podcast several times that it seems like reality has started to slowly drift away from film music. I don't know if you feel the same way or not. I do. I do. And I, you know, I, I think we danced lightly on
1: this, but, you know, with, with, even with Hans Zimmer, you know, I think that there was a lot of mixed feelings about his announcement because a lot of people feel like he is kind of this electronic bombastic beating background. So mm-hmm. the foreground is the characters and the visuals. And then if you need a background that just, you know, you're not going to quite remember, but you sort of recognize if you play it in a, in a, in a dedicated way. As opposed to, we love the ones that the music and the characterization blend seamlessly. That's, that's a really good melody.
0: Yeah, and and I I remain open. For those of our listeners that don't, announced mm. as the composer for the, the new film that's coming out in April. And uh, I, I was kind of, I wasn't excited, I wasn't upset. I was just like, okay, well, let, let's give it a shot, let's see. Because, I mean, there's a lot of his stuff I've admired, so... Yeah. It'll be interesting, obviously, to see how it turns out. The, um, the next cue you uh, chose from Tomorrow Never Dies was, uh, was called White Knight, And if memory serves, this is basically the, the pre-title sequence uh, right after the gun barrel. Uh, and, I, and I agree with you, by the way. I, mis- I would say that this is certainly among some of my favorites that certainly the David Arnold has done. Uh, it's a rather long cue, too. Tell, tell me a little it bit is- about your wanting to include that on your list.
1: Yeah, there's a few reasons. Um, first of all, I love I love these things that take their time. I mean, th- this, this really starts off slow. In fact, you really don't get to the action orientation in this particular one until w- well on your way. Like you said, it's mm. a very long cue. So you have this very slow moment. It's almost like an introduction of bond. And then as soon as you hear the the cue the bond cue come up when he strolls on to you know light his lighter for that guy mm-hmm. and then he goes smoking filthy habit you you're there you're you're suddenly rushed into the action so it it it's almost like the music version of a bond film where it's got exposition it's got an introduction and then it's got action orientation mm. and the other thing that i love about this cue is when the action starts it actually incorporates the the theme of the song from the movie that that, that well that he
0: wrote you I mean yes,
1: yes yes exactly yes and, and i love that and it's it's beautifully rendered in there um it's well done and let's face it you know take a look at the daniel craig movies they don't typically do that anymore you have these mini moments i call them mini moments where they're added but they're not as focused
0: at that as that one well, you know, and I wasn't planning to ask this, but I will. You brought it up; it's a good point. What are your thoughts on, for those of us that have followed these films for years? I, you know, generally the composer wrote the title song, and then as a result, a lot of times you would hear that that melody, that theme, be incorporated into the score. Now, I don't know. For the most part, I guess the last what, four or five films, maybe one exception, they always bring an outsider in, outside of the film composer to to write the the title song. And it usually you don't hear it again, except either at the end of the movie or just, or at the beginning. What are, you, what are your thoughts about that? Is that a, is that strictly a marketing ploy that they want to get someone that's a name and they insist on writing their own stuff? Or is there, you know, is there a method to their madness, I guess? Well, I mean, it's I'm going to
1: answer it with two answers because your last part was, is a marketing ploy. I mean, I think I think it's definitely a marketing ploy
2: mm. to
1: have that person singing the song. Um, number one, a popular individual, obviously, sure. look like at Billie Eilish, and also, you know, by their own hand. What I'm hoping is different with "No Time to Die" is that it sounds like they're working in a partnership. That Hans Zimmer and Billie Eilish and and uh, her brother are working together with Hans Zimmer's group to hopefully integrate that i mean that's that's the insinuation that i'm yeah i heard that fingers crossed with but i you're right i don't find that with a lot of the craig films and i i will say that i miss it and i think a lot of fans miss it because it ties things together otherwise Mm -hmm. that beginning song outside of the words having some sort of pertinence to the story it feels siloed it feels like it's a moment that doesn't belong
0: in a story arc Mm hmm yeah, I agree. Agree. Well, let's, uh, let's let's listen to this cue that we were uh, just talking about. This is uh, called White Knight. It's from the uh, pre-title sequence of Tomorrow Never Dies, and it once again is written by David Arnold. You a question that people always ask me and i, I i'll be interested in your answer because you know it, it, there's no there's no right or wrong answer on this do you have a favorite bond the, you know actor
1: yes i would Ooh, say
0: really I, okay. oh
1: yeah i i think i do i think at the end of the day despite what my channel <laughs> on youtube might dictate um i think it's sean Connery. wow i, I really do i think that um you know, I was born in 1968, so it was kind of, you know, post-Sean uh, Coppolicic, but um, I just think that he is Bond. I think that he moves, looks, sounds like Bond. I think that he is the bar. And although I'm a fan of every single other Bond, every single one, right. I think they all bring something unique and different. I think they brought aspects of what Sean really introduced. Listen to me, Sean, Mr. Connery. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so, I, it, so yeah. it's her. That's right. So it's a long way of answering, but I would have to say Sean Connery's Bond. Well, you know, the the, the popular
0: notion used to be that uh, whoever you saw first in the role generally ended up being
2: mm.
0: your favorite, and so you've kind of bucked that trend a little bit because I, yes. I, I gathered the first you saw was Roger Moore. Yes. Uh, but I, you know, I, that you obviously went back at some point and started watching all of them, and you had a, you had an open mind on it.
1: Yeah, as a matter of fact, I have to tell you, because I, I actually remember the trajectory when we saw this film in Atlantic City, and my father introduced me to the other films that were on, you know, ABC, you know, nightly movies. Right. The next one was Thunderball, and mm. I remember seeing Thunderball, so now I just saw one Roger Moore and then Sean, so it wasn't like seeing seven Roger Moore films in a row and then all of a sudden going back. Okay. Um, it, was, it was really woven in there pretty well.
0: Yeah, I... The, the way I've always answered it, I said, well, you know, if, if I had more than if I have two or more kids and you ask me which one's my favorite kid, how am I supposed to answer that? I mean, it's. Oh, I, I can. I, I love that. them all. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I know easy you have me. at least two. It's OK. Well, then answer it, pal. Go ahead. Hell no. <laughs> not on public record. We. Oh, OK. OK. All right. Okay. And, by the be. way, I, I loved I loved some of the episodes where you've included them in. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoy the, both your, your son and daughter. I thought were just terrific. So uh, oh, for you. what that's worth, uh, You're great she's cute as a button. I bet you, I'm sure you've got the, the gun polished up for her, or is she already taken.
1: She's she's 27 and out of the house and gainfully employed, and so is my son. I, we're we're empty nesters. I have uh, a oh okay yeah 24 and 27 year old. They are they are adults. The uh, the gun has been retired. <laughs> and uh she makes great choices and uh yeah she's an adult i trust her
0: yeah no she's terrific and and uh, both of Matt and i thought a lot of uh, you know what you wanted a different perspective on things and they did a really oh, great you. job with it um let's see where was i going with this oh and then the, the the follow-up to this was because i can't name i can't name one bond actor a lot of times and i certainly can't name what's my favorite out of all the films do you, how do you how do you answer that when they say you're, you know, your favorite? Do you have like a top five that kind of satisfies what people's curiosity is or or do you have like one overall favorite? I do have a go to um and, and people ask it differently,
1: but almost everybody asks what's what's your favorite Bond film? So I kind of quantify it by saying, well, let me tell you the one that if if I was, you know, thrown into a fiery pit and they made me watch only one Bond film, which one could I watch? over and over through Mm. infinity, it would actually be Casino Royale, Mm. um, 2006 version, of course. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But but that one to me, uh, and again, right, it doesn't star my favorite Bond. But to me, this story, uh, the visuals, you know, who Bond is in that film is badass, you know, just to me is so exciting. I never, never get sick of it. It's, it's, and it, it surprises me. Like I'll watch it and I'll think like, th- th- there's surely no way I can make it through this whole thing. And then suddenly
0: the, the credits are rolling and I'm like, well, that just happened. <laughs> so yeah, I would say Casino Royale. Okay. Yeah, no. And I, I think that's a, that's a legitimate answer and, and, and probably a popular one, certainly amongst yes the youngsters out there now, you know, people in our age. That's, I think, a kind of an interesting answer. What's I would your certainly favorite put it in my Bond top film? five. What's your favorite Bond oh, film? jeepers. Yeah, doggone it. Hey, hold it. I'm the one who's asking the questions. <laughs> um, I, I never answer with just one. I'll say, well, I, I can give you my top five. Uh, uh, probably, uh, and some of them are surprising. Uh, Thunderball being one of them. Majesties being one of them. Golden Gun being one of them. Mm. uh, uh uh, pr- pr- uh, probably Living Daylights and then Casino Royale. So,
1: oh, uh, I first of all, I love your picks. So you've got two out of those, uh, Golden Gun and uh, Living Daylights, that wouldn't normally be in the top
0: five. I love that yeah. they're in yours. Well, you know, and the and the funny thing is though is that I'm, uh, I'm so much into film music that Casino Royale is the only exception. Uh, because I actually did like the score for that. But otherwise, I, I, usually my favorite bond films have to have, have to have to have a John Barry score. Mm. I just don't look at them the same way. I don't react to them the same way without that. So, I mean, I know everybody says Rogers best was spy. Who love me. And yeah, it might probably be so, but I just, I can't accept it that way with Marvin Hamlish, with all due respect. I just, just doesn't work for me. I agree. So it's, I would it's not one say of my weird, the best score. <laughs> one, it's one of my, one of my weird quirks. But anyway, don't forget, I'm the one asking the questions. Oh right, crap. So. Sorry about that. <laughs> I broke protocol. <laughs> ah, let's see here. Um, another one from your list. And we're going to move forward now too. And, and I, and I loved these two choices. I must tell you, we'll play one at a time though. Um, I loved these two. This is uh, Oddly enough the one you just mentioned you're, you're probably your favorite of all time film Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. Uh one of the cues that you chose was uh, was Vesper who I'm assuming people would know that that was the uh, the main, main Bond's main squeeze the main uh, Bond girl or Bond woman or whatever it is we're supposed to say these days I don't know what but um I say uh, Bond girl. Tell us a, Okay yeah, yeah I'm with you on that. Uh tell us a little bit about choosing that one as uh, to be uh, amongst your favorites.
1: I'm going to sound really gushy here, but it's It's just, it's beautiful. It is a beautiful piece of music, whether it's bond or not. It is just, it, again, it's slow. It's just got this wonderful piano walk. It's almost like these slow, sad fingers walking over the keys. And, you know, it just takes me back to the, the amazing buildup. I mean, that was the relationship out of all the bond films I really bought. There mm. were some things like inspector, I didn't buy the relationship, but this one I bought. And when you hear this slow, almost sadness going on, but it's also beautiful. This, the sadness is beautiful at the same time. It describes Vesper. I mean, she yes. is my favorite bond girl, uh, both physically <laughs> and, <laughs> and the way her part was, uh, yeah, it just captures everything.
0: You've, done that yeah describe that beautifully i remember believe it or not reading the book and almost kind of feeling like i fell in love with her when i was reading the book and i'm talking ages ago uh and and i kind of experienced the same thing in watching the movie i just i i loved that character and i thought ava grain was just fantastic not only just her acting but yeah she's she's a knockout and uh and that music just really added to it it didn't yeah. dominate it it didn't overpower it it was another added piece, another layer, if you will, that just made it all, all the more uh, powerful. Well, let's uh, let's have the music do the talking for itself. This is from the film Casino Royale. The cue is called Vesper, and it's written again by David Arnold. serious you um I I've not looked at numbers and those sorts of things but my gosh there uh, your vlog is extremely popular and then on top of that there's just so many of them out there I'm actually very surprised at the number of enterprising individuals that are doing something like this what what do you think is the secret to 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 your success doing this? Uh, social media thing, your YouTube channel, and that sort of stuff. What What is behind your success? Because you have, I mean, let's face it, you've you've been. I know you're very humble about it, but you've been extremely successful and and influential, and even to the point where you have great relationships built with these brands as well. So, talk to me a little bit about that. What do you think is behind all that? You know, I,
1: I don't know if I have the keys to success, but I, I have the keys to failure. And the keys to failure are doing something you don't like. And I have to tell you, this has been a a wonderful, wonderful journey where I'm literally I, I stick a camera in front of me and I'm probably doing what I'd be doing if the camera wasn't there. Meaning I would be, you know, trying on these clothes and collecting this stuff and going to these locations and talking Mm -hmm. to other people in the bond community and, you know, talking to my family about these things. What I've done that's a little bit different is I stuck a camera on a tripod or on a wall and I decided to invite other people to watch this journey. And I think the journey itself, um, people have found it very engaging or in many cases, it's kind of their journey. So they they're able to project themselves as a character in the story, you know, a third person in the room, so to speak. And I think that's where the popularity is. I mean, I think I you know, if you go back to the early part of the conversation, when I first started doing this and writing articles, I figured I'm the only crazy person out there doing this. Uh, That was, you know, 2005, 2006, you fast forward to today, there are entire forums and communities Mm -hmm. that are built around Bond's lifestyle and sartorial moments. And, you know, what I love about it, you've got people in their 20s and teenagers and 30s and 40s and 80s who are vlogging and blogging and, and doing Instagram. And I think they just want to all be part of the community and journey and you know, it's not my success. It's it's honestly the success of the community because they're giving me a wonderful platform in which to play with others. And I, I think yeah. that's
0: just it. Well, and there's obviously an appetite for it, and, and which is yes. which is fascinating in its own right too. I mean, it's uh, because there is there's just so much. I, I don't want to say competition. I, I suspect you'd agree with me on that. It's not competition, but just other. Other distribution points where uh, people are talking about either similar issues or, I mean, there's there's other things on fashion and sure, uh, lifestyle and stuff like that. Um, and by the way, it's wh- crossed over. What's, what's been really fun, the side effect of all this is now
1: I'm engaged in doing a lot more things with bloggers and vlogger, bloggers that are not Bond people, you know, that uh, – you know, that are watch people or, or, or general style people. And that's, that's where we've kind of, you know, broken that wall of bond and gone into mainstream. And that's, that's the fun part where, you know, there are no boundaries.
0: It's like bond and beyond. Mm Hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's um, yeah, I agree. Let's, let's, let's go to your next choice, which was also from Casino Royale. And talked. I've got a feeling I know where you're going to go with this as well, but it's it's another beautiful cue, if I remember correctly. This is uh, from Casino Royale called City of Lovers. Tell us a little bit about uh, what prompted you to include that here on your list today. I think, you know,
1: it's to me, I was really thinking about when I chose what are those um, what are those rides that a great soundtrack piece can bring me on? And this was one of these that. Whether I saw the movie or not, it sounds very sweeping in the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And as it sweeps you up, it almost sounds like you are in a foreign city. It's the strangest thing. The music makes me think like I am someplace else other than where I am, in this case, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly you hear those little tiny piano notes that we talked about before and then darkness. There's something ominous going on and any soundtrack, any cue that actually takes me on a story with no words and no visuals is something very special. And that's, that's why I chose it.
0: That's a, that's a great explanation of it. And it's, it's interesting how some, some film scores are are great when they're connected with the movie, but they don't work as well as a standalone, but this is certainly not an example of that. It, it, It works as a standalone as well as with the film. So it's a, a good example of that. Let's um, let's go ahead and have a listen to that then. This is again from uh, Casino Royale. The queue is called City of Lovers, and it's written by David Arnold. Thank you. Where do you see the future of James Bond? As uh, most people, if you you know haven't been living under a rock for a while, know <laughs> this is the the apparently the swan song, the last uh, effort on the part of Dan, uh, Daniel Craig. He's said no more. Uh, you know, so did Roger Moore for a couple of times. But I don't I don't know. I get the feeling it's negotiation ploy. I think he really means he's done. So w- what do you see as the future? Is this uh, going to be the death of it, or are they going to survive this like they've survived all the other changes in actors? I think they'll definitely survive it.
1: I think, you know, what comes next is the big question mark. Will it be a reboot? Will they go younger? I do believe they will. I think they'll go and make a choice of somebody, you know, 35 or younger, more of that you know, Fleming type of age and look. Mm -hmm. Um, They may even, and this is total speculation. I don't know anything. They may even um, go in a very different thematic direction. I I think that they possibly could even do a period piece, which I wouldn't be against if they did something that was based in the 50s or the 60s, as long as Mm -hmm. it stayed out of the Austin Powers territory. (laughs) But um, I, I think the vision or the future is still very bright. I mean, one of the things that I'm, I'm sure you can appreciate is what I tend to do is compartmentalize bond and think about it in chunks of like three to four months, because if you start to think about it in years, it gets a little unwieldy, but in the next three months, my gosh, it's going to be one giant
0: party. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it's already started. I mean, it's a, uh, it, it, you know, you always kind of wonder, are they going to promote this one this time? Or, you know, are they, <laughs> there were some movies where you didn't hear anything about them. Hardly. Well, that hasn't been the case on the last few of them. And they're, you know, the machine is operating now. It's amazing. I, I love the, I love the Heineken stuff. That was terrific. Oh yeah. Agreed. Uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, even a, even a short film version of it, it was like seven minutes long. I mean, it was just terrific, but uh, yeah, I suspect they're going to survive as well. It just, it will be interesting once this, uh, the hoopla is over for this one. And I'm sure they'll take their time with it, but it'll be interesting to see where they go with it. Um, a question I have to ask that I suspect is on the minds of some of my listeners, because there's no secret to my listeners that I'm uh, a huge John Barry fan. In fact, we basically I don't know if I guess John Barry got me into James Bond or maybe James Bond got me into John Barry. I don't know which way <laughs> it would go. But people, if you've noticed, uh, we've gone through six different cues and there hasn't been a single John Barry cue. We will be playing one here in a moment. And so I've just got to ask, for the person who did 11 films and is so closely identified with creating the template, the the, the tone, the style of scores for James Bond, is there? Just, just I'm just surprised. So tell me a little bit about. Uh, I, I, I'm not. I'm sure it's not. You know, I'm ignoring Jan, John Barry. It's just, hey, I'm gravitating towards these other guys. But can you just talk to me a little bit about that? The fact that there was only one yeah. out of your list it was a uh, for John Barry no and I'm a huge John Barry fan I mean huge as
1: in even things that most Bond people don't even know uh, John Barry did um Born Free you know mm-hmm. out of Africa um oh my gosh uh, Dances with Wolves which a lot of people forget that he did wow. um Somewhere in Time I, I I'm a huge John Barry fan I think you know I almost feel it's it, this is very strange and it's a great thing I give a lot of credit to a lot of directors and a lot of actors when I talk about James Bond, but I don't really talk about Albert Broccoli. I don't talk about him that much or Harry Saltzman, even though they are the foundation of the James Bond films. And I feel that way about Barry. I almost feel like. It's almost like a duh, like, you know, Mm -hmm. Dr. No from Russia with Love, Man with the Golden Gun. I mean, these are some of my favorite, even Octopussy, where it it may not be my favorite film, but it's got some amazing John Barry cues. Thunderbolt, you know, my second favorite movie. But I I almost think that he's, God, this is going to sound like a deity moment. He's Mm -hmm. this ever presence in every Bond film, whether he's the composer or not. I didn't gravitate to one of the cues just because it's
0: like he's everywhere he's savoir faire wow that was a slick answer that was good (laughs) it was okay but and very sincere too i might add i i I believe you but that that, well said i mean uh and yet you know i'm sure these composers have a it's got to be a lot of pressure on them too zimmer included or any of the others that there seems to be an expectation that you know you're going to continue on with that but you don't want to just copy what someone else did you obviously want to put your own stamp on it and uh, it's always interesting to see what what they'll do i've i don't know about you but i've i've not been a a huge fan of uh, the last couple of scores I, I i would would have loved to have seen david arnold come back because i think he was a nice mix of modernizing the sound while still recognizing and uh, and paying homage to the legacy of it
1: i agree i you know i will say this too about john barry um there was a great Article and quote from Hans Zimmer, who talks about the importance of John Barry. Um, this was before he became a Bond composer. And then I was talking to another gentleman who's a huge soundtrack uh fan. His name is, is actually his name is John Williams. Um <laughs> and he was telling me, I asked him, you know, what's the one question? If you had Hans Zimmer for five minutes at a bar, what's the one question you could ask? And I hand on heart, he actually said to me, I would ask him, what does John Barry mean to you? And wow. that's how I, I get it. I get the passion of John Barry. And by the way, good for you for putting a boot to my throat, because, <laughs> you know, when you're a John Barry fan and someone doesn't acknowledge him, it's like, what the hell? How did how did this guy get on my show? <laughs> That'll be the last time.
0: Well, I I try real hard not to to over. Uh, as as my listeners know, I mean, there there' been shows where someone doesn't choose a Barry cue. That's fine. I and it really, because I want to celebrate all film music. but, but given the uh, subject back. matter, that's what that's what kind of <laughs> given the subject matter, that was what surprised me. But the one cue you did choose was from Honor Majesty's Secret Service, mm-hmm. uh, the pre-title sequence uh, music. the uh, famously called this never happened to the other fella. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about uh, about choosing that particular cue as amongst not only your favorites but obviously amongst one of your all-time favorites of John Barry.
1: Yeah, so that that to me was an easy one because I I kind of went back to the, the soundtracks that I listened to the most that I'll I'll be skipping through a bunch, but I'll stop and just listen to the whole thing. And this is one of them, and it has to be the treatment of the James Bond theme. Mm-hmm. It's so different, and I don't know the the instrument that he used, but it's it's so 1960s that ding 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 it's ding. A Moog ding. Moog
0: synthesizer, I think, and and one of the first uses in a soundtrack for for the Moog synthesizer there you go. I've just, I've, you just hacked my
1: life. I, I learned something. All right. That, that's that synthesizer was so interesting and powerful and unique. And, you know, then you get the slowness and the richness of the James Bond theme, um, just everything about it. And then you, you get almost kind of a chaotic, almost wacky sounding action points, you know, mm-hmm. it's like,
0: right.
1: you know, kind of flying monkeys meets James Bond when they're fighting by the boat. <laughs> Um, it, it, again, it's one of these just absolute pleasures. And this, this, I have to tell you is unique for me. I, I did not think I was going to choose this one because I have to admit I'll get rocks thrown at me. I kind of fell in love with honor, Majesty's secret service later in life. You know, me when too. I was younger, me this too. was oh, okay, good. I'm you're amongst the uh, brethren. I, it, it wasn't one of those that I immediately gravitated to when I was young. I may have seen parts of it and then rediscovered it when the overwhelming fan pressure of, oh, this is the best film and it's exactly like the novel. And I, I gave it another chance in my 20s.
0: And I'm like, this is the shit. Yeah. And I don't I don't know if, if you're old enough to remember. But see, my first I mean, I I, I in fact, I don't even think I had the album yet. And the the film premiered on ABC television network, which is one of the networks here in the States. And but what they did was they they held it over two nights. They split it up into two nights. They they edited it and changed the order of some of the things that were happening. And they had an actor who uh, was pretty close to George Lazenby's voice narrate parts of the film. Hmm. That was the first way I ever saw it. And I watched this and I said, "Well, this is horrible. I can't believe they ever did a movie like." I mean, and I, thinking I was watching the original version of it, and I wasn't. That was my first exposure to it. If you look on YouTube, you can find um, uh, not the whole not the whole movie, but you can find like five, ten minute clips of of what it was like. So as a as a for instance, the movie opens the, the version I saw the movie opened with the ski chase. Ah, okay. So, I mean, and then it, and then then they do flashbacks, and it was just it was oh so screwy. So yeah, I thought you know, uh, I'm sorry, I don't like this very much. And it wasn't until the 80s, I think, when I finally saw it in its original form for the first time, and I said, wow, actually, this is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's um, let's have a listen to this. It's a it's a fabulous cue. Uh, this is from On Her Majesty's Secret Service. The cue is called "This Never Happened to the Other Fella," and it's written by the maestro. Unbury. Well, looking forward, um, what can we expect? I mean, it's kind of a silly question, I guess, because I know what I'm going to hear, but that's okay. It's important for our listeners to hear. What can we expect from the Bond experience over the next several months? Uh, I'm going to guess you're going to be a pretty busy guy.
1: It's going to be busy. It it, it is busy right now. I mean, I I have a bit of a cadence that uh, I think a a lot of the people that have have seen the Bond experience are, are kind of getting in that, you know, Tuesdays, we usually have some sort of sartorial video where I talk about items and brands in the james bond series certainly with a focus right now on no time to die thursdays it's usually some sort of video that introduces some person or a club to uh that that gravitates around the bond community so it's a little bit of a making our world a little bit smaller and then on the weekends um i tend to every now and then put a a little bonus video that is a fun, but sometimes controversial uh, discussion. It could be about the evolution (laughs) of bond or what do women think of bond and what should it be and what shouldn't it be. And those are the ones that I get all my comments on and uh, and lots of dislikes, but it's it's great too as well. I like the
0: ones you've done with Joe, which are are fun when you guys are going (laughs) back and forth and especially what was this last one when you're thinking something happened to your car and, that was hilarious. Oh, People yeah. Need
1: to, need to we we have it. so much fun with those vignettes. I mean, it's great. It's like, you know, Joe and I are like the spy versus spy of the Bond community. So yep. we, we yep. like to do these little things. And, you know, it's all but but that is about like, you know, what's next for me is just continuing to have fun. I mean, if well, as soon as this stops being fun, that's when I stop. But I, I don't see any end in sight. It's a great bunch of people and and i'm having a lot of fun doing
2: it
0: yeah well with the film coming out in april uh, suffice to say I, i'm going to let my listeners know that if you want to know what's going on what's the latest news with the uh, with the new bond film that is coming out and uh, especially when it comes to items such as like fashion lifestyle some of the things that uh, are an integral part of of the whole bond experience and the whole bond culture if you will The Bond experience on YouTube is the place you need to be It really very entertaining, very informative, and uh, it's just great fun. Uh, That's one place they can find you. Are there any other social sites that they should visit uh, concerning you or or to visit you or is the the YouTube channel the, the best one? Well, by far,
1: I think the YouTube channel is the core channel. Uh, we're also on Instagram. There's a lot of unique uh, visuals and stories there. That's more of the kind of day-to-day things that are happening. And we also okay. have a Instagram TV, which is a little mini video channel up there that has some unique things. And then Facebook, um, it's it's interesting. I call Facebook my commercial. Facebook usually... <laughs> tells people about what's happening on the other channels but it's still you know it can be fun it's just
0: uh, you know tra- in a transparent fashion it's not entirely unique but okay. there it is but that's and and generally under the name the bond experience all always under is, the bond experience they'll find you okay yes. you know david i i literally i think we could have talked at least from my standpoint for another 2 hours there's so many other things i want to talk about i might have to have you back on again at even some point even after the even
1: after the John Barry Yeah, yeah. Incident? yeah.
0: Well, I'll give you a chance to redeem yourself. but um, Generous. <laughs> um, you. I've so thoroughly enjoyed this, as I'm sure our audience has. Uh, again, I want to encourage everyone to, to visit that YouTube channel. You'll find it to be really informative and entertaining. Uh, David, my sincere thanks again for taking the And I know you're busy, so I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to be with us today.
1: Well, thank you. And I, I have to say, this is a testimony to you and your interview style and just our conversation. I, I literally did not even know what time it was, and suddenly an hour flew by. So uh,
2: I
0: know. thank you for this. This was an easy conversation. Oh, I'm, I'm delighted. I'm delighted. Well, uh, that about wraps it up for us. Uh, there's only, thing, only one thing left to say, and that's simply this. My name is Frank R. Wilson. My time's up. I thank you for yours. Thanks for listening to What's the Score? Thank you.